You are listening to the Entrust Podcast. This weekly course seeks to provide theological training within a ministry setting so you can take what you learn and share it with others. Check out more resources at rockycreek.church. For now, here is this week's episode. All righty. Well, it is time to go. I was with you all uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, my name is Bryce. Uh, I work part-time here at Rocky Creek and also pastor uh, Woodside Church on the other end of downtown Greenville. So uh, that's a little bit about me, uh, but we are here uh, today to talk about evangelism and most important, or one of the more important ones today, uh, we're talking about witnessing to family members. And so as we dive in uh, together to look at witnessing to family members, uh, the truth is, well, first, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's pray, okay? Can we do that? Let's do that. That's important, right? Uh, so, Father God, uh, you are um, so, so, so good to us. And we are thankful, uh, as we've seen in Exodus over the past couple weeks, that you desire um, for us to be in your presence, to worship you, to glorify you, because you are holy and you are good. And Lord, even as we look at evangelism, as we have um, seen, Father, our, our desire as believers should be for others to be able to behold you, for others to be able to come to the realization of how holy, how good you are. And so, God, I pray that um, as we go through this class um, this evening and we, we look at witnessing the family members, Father, it can be a, a tall task to do but it is worthwhile and it is needed. And so, Father, um, I pray that you would just put in our hearts those family members that need to hear the gospel, that you would give us the boldness and the courage to go. Be with us now. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sorry about that. Prayer is the most important thing, and I just, I was ready to go. All right? So uh, as we look at witnessing to family members, we need to understand um, that as we do witness to family members, that some of the people that are closest to us in our lives need the gospel the most. And when we, so when we think about that, it's difficult though. The people that need it the most are sometimes the most difficult to share the gospel with because we're worried about share about ruining relationships with them, right? We're, we're worried about, well, if, if I'm honest with them about their sin, if I'm honest with them about uh, the way they're living their life and, and perhaps I, I need to share the gospel with them, we're worried they'll, they'll reject what we have to say, but even worse, we're, we're worried that they'll reject us altogether, right? We're, we're, we're worried if, if we ever grew up in family gatherings, we We've seen, okay, there's a couple things you don't talk about in family gatherings, right? Re religion and politics, right? Those are the things you don't talk about. Nobody's going to argue. But the truth of the matter is the gospel is the most important thing that we can share. And, and so as we get started today and we, we think about that, I, I want you all to understand that, that loving somebody, if we truly love our family members or, or the people that are closest to us, we would understand it's actually better that we miss out on a relationship with this, with them on this earth in order to see them in eternity, right? It, it, it's not very loving. If we really love our family members and they're far from the Lord, it's not really loving if we say, well, I know they're headed to hell, but I'm just going to love them on their way there, right? No, we need to try to bring them with us with everything that we have. And, and in fact, I'll, I'll tell you a story to, to get us started. Uh, I grew up in a church. We used to have men's prayer breakfast. Um, one, the first 
Sunday morning of every month. And let me tell you, the best ones were when we had a gentleman that worked at Waffle House and he would cook for us, okay? When it was his cook team, that was the month to go. And we had different speakers and we would pray as men and, and all these little, and all these different things. But, but I went starting probably from when I was seven years old um, all the way up until uh, I moved here to Greenville. But I remember this one time in particular, uh, a gentleman came and he spoke to the men in our church and he had a, uh, a Bible cover, uh, right? The zip up Bible cover. And he had a very interesting image on it. Um, he had a fire on his Bible cover uh, at the base of the Bible. And then he had a hand that looked like the hand was basically drowning in fire. It was a very odd Bible cover uh, for somebody to, to have, right? It, it doesn't make much sense. Most Bible covers, if they are not plain, you know, they have angels or Bible verses on them, whatever it is. And so I remember it stood out to me. And, and the entire time he was speaking, I was like, why in the world does he have this hand that looks like it's being overtaken by fire on his Bible? And finally, as he shared his story with us, he, he actually shared that um, he and his brother, uh, they were twins and they were best friends. And he and his brother uh, used to get together and they would drink together um, almost every night. And, and they were uh, really strong alcoholics. And, and uh, there came a point where um, somebody came and, and shared the gospel with him. And, and he went through um, some addiction recovery and, and he uh, stopped drinking alcohol. And, and he came to know the Lord uh, during that process. And his brother never did. His brother said he was fine. He didn't need any of that. And so uh, one night, there came a moment where he and his brother were together and his brother had, had been drinking and he, he felt a tug on his heart to share the gospel with his brother. But he and his brother were best friends. And he was worried that if he did that to, with his brother, his brother would, would say, hey, you're just a Bible thumper now. I don't want to listen to anything that you have to say. And his brother would walk away and he would lose his best friend. Well, his brother drove home that night intoxicated, got into a wreck, crashed his car, and so on his Bible cover, he has his hand that represents his brother because he knows that his brother never knew the Lord and the last moment that he had to share the gospel with his brother, with his best friend, he didn't take the opportunity to do so and his brother went home and died that night. And I'll never forget that moment and it's a true reality that even for me, I'll share with you, I'm going to say these things and a lot of what I'm going to say this evening, I'm telling to myself because I have family members that I know don't know the Lord and I love those family members and it's difficult because I don't want things to be awkward between me and my family. But the reality is I also don't want them to spend eternity separated from God. And so it's important that, that we go and, and, and that we go into this place where we share the gospel with our family if we truly love them. And perhaps uh, the first section here we're going to look at is witnessing to a spouse. Perhaps for, for some of us, we got married as unbelievers and we married somebody that was also an unbeliever. And so uh, one of us comes to know Christ and, and the other doesn't. Well, it's important that we uh, look at witnessing to a spouse. And, and when we think about witnessing to a spouse, that truly can be one of the more difficult things that we can do. Is, is our life partner, somebody that is close to them, is, is sharing the gospel with them. Well, when we think about witnessing to a spouse, we need to ensure that, that we begin with ourselves and our own motives. We begin with ourselves and our own motives. A little bit of marriage counseling, perhaps, um, that, that I've learned over my uh, six years of marriage, and I learned real quick, okay? Sometimes 
when I got upset with my wife, she didn't do anything wrong. I just felt like being upset, <laughs> right? That, that happens sometimes. And so it's important when we go and, and we witness to a spouse, we need to make sure that our motives are pure, that our motives behind sharing the gospel with our spouse are pure, right? Because sometimes uh, what, we can ha- what can happen is when we share the gospel, perhaps uh, we don't want somebody to actually come to know the gospel. We just want their behavior to change, right? We just want them to act differently. And so perhaps we, sometimes we, we know people and we say, well, I'm going to share the gospel with them. And, and maybe if they just come to know the Lord, then they'll stop doing this or they'll stop doing that, right? But the truth is our motives should be, we want them to know Jesus for the sake of knowing Jesus, right? That should be the purest and the best motive. I think one of the most important things, and we're going to see it throughout tonight in several different instances, is that we make sure that we don't belittle our spouse, that we don't seem like we are holier than thou or better than our spouse when sharing the gospel with them. Perhaps the most important thing that we can do when witnessing to a spouse is that we can pray. That we can pray. We, we looked a couple weeks ago. Um, Pastor Travis led us through what, how important prayer is in evangelism. And so if we really want our spouse to come to know Christ, if we want anybody to come to know Christ, we need to make sure that we are praying for them, that they are, we are praying that they will come to know the Lord. Another important thing is that we are sure that we remember the walk-talk balance. The walk-talk balance. Now this is important because we can't share the gospel without verbally sharing the gospel, right? But... Um, Proverbs tells us that a nagging wife is like a dripping sink faucet, right? Drip, drip, drip. Now, let's be honest, that can be for a wife or a husband. And so here, here's, here's why I, I say that, to make sure that we um, understand this walk-talk balance. is because as much as we need to pray for and share the gospel with our spouse, we don't need to be a nagging spouse. This is the most important topic there is. But we have to ask the Lord, Lord, would you give me wisdom when to talk about this and when to not talk about this? Because when we are witnessing to our spouse, if all we do is tell them, well, the Bible says this, 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 this. We can pray and I hope that the Lord uses that, but also it could turn them off to the gospel as well. In fact, 1 Peter 3.1 says this, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without talk by the behavior of their wives. When we talk about a walk-talk balance, now we know that in order to share the gospel with someone, we must do just that. We must verbally share the gospel, right? But along with that, we talked about uh, at the end of last week, we talked about another method of sharing the gospel could be service, right? And the way that we serve others, it opens up opportunities to share the gospel. And so this verse here in 1 Peter 3, 1, we are submissive to our husbands if any of them do not believe the word, right? So, so that text there, if any of them do not believe the word, is saying if any of them do not trust in Christ, right? If, if any of them are not believers in Christ, we are to be submissive to them. Now let's understand, Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that wives should be submissive to their husbands, but husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church. So, so here's what Peter is ultimately telling us here in 1 Peter 3. is saying, 
wives, even if your husbands do not keep their end of the deal of what Scripture tells you to do, tells them to do, you make sure you follow Scripture the best you can, right? They're just saying, even if your spouse doesn't love the Word of God, doesn't do the things that Christ tells them to do, as much as you are able, you follow the Word of God. Why? You follow it so that they may be won over without talk, but by the behavior of their wives. Because there comes a point when husbands will see their wives walking in grace and in truth and will say, man, I need that. There will come a point when wives will see their husbands not with their talk, but say, oh man, he really believes this. Look at the way that he leads us. as That's what Christ is supposed to be for the church. I want to be a part of that. There is a time when our behavior may win it over. Now, we do need to share when we can, as often as we can, but there is a balance to making sure that we are living the Word of God as best we can with our spouse. Ultimately, we do that as we live a Christ-like life. We live the life of a servant. There is no better way to live the life of a servant than to serve our spouse. In fact, we should desire to do that. Even if both spouses are believers, our goal should be to serve our spouse. Why? Because that's what Christ did. That's why Ephesians, again, tells us, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He gave of himself. He served the church. So husbands should love their wives in that way. Another thing to be sure when witnessing to spouses is that we never imply that the Christian life means perfection. We never imply that the Christian life means perfection. This goes back to the first point that we make sure that we understand our motives, right? Because sometimes we don't want to guilt trip our spouse into saying, well, if you just believed in the Lord, then you wouldn't do that, right? We, that, that's not going to get us very far, okay? In fact, that's probably going to end in a, in a pretty large argument, if, if we're honest. And so we want to make sure that if we understand that, okay, if my spouse comes to know the Lord, they're just going to be perfect from here on out. Nope, they are not going to be perfect, and our life is not going to be perfect, right? We're still going to have trials, but we're going to walk hand in hand following the Lord even through the valley of darkness. So we witness to our spouse. Now, my uh, growing up and what I knew and how I grew up, I didn't know many people that were married to, a, to someone who was not a believer. And every I was racking my brain earlier today, I was thinking, who do I know that married an unbeliever? And I don't know. It doesn't seem to happen very often um, in my context, okay? So, so that is difficult for me to speak to. But I knew no one that I see a lot of, and that is our parents, our parents who do not know the Lord. And so sometimes as we looked in Exodus uh, over the summer and we saw uh, that the fifth commandment to honor our father and mother, and one of the difficult things with that is how do you honor a father and mother who don't love the Lord, right? How do you honor a father and mother who are not believers? Well, it's important we want to be able to honor a father and mother who are believers, but many of us, we grew up in households that are not Christian households. We grew up with parents 
who do not know the Lord. We grew up with parents who we desperately want to see come to know the Lord. And so how do we witness to our parents? What's well, important, just like in marriage, but in any time we're witnessing, that we do not act superior to them. That we don't let our parents know, oh, we're better than you now because we have this, right? We don't want to act superior to our parents. We see it all the time on TV shows, and, and it probably is a reality that children, they leave the home, right? They, they, they leave their roots. They go somewhere else. They become successful. Their lifestyle changes, whatever, and, and they go back home. And when they get back home, their parents feel like their child that has now grown thinks the parent didn't do enough for them, didn't provide for them, didn't, wasn't good enough for them. When we share the gospel with our parents, we want to make sure we know, they know that we are thankful for them, <laughs> That even though they didn't know the Christ, that, that, that they didn't know the Lord, that they helped you get to where you are today. Do not act superior to your parents. They were there. They, they raised you. And that goes into our next point, that even in renouncing your old life, even in renouncing perhaps where you came from, make it clear that you are not rejecting your family or its heritage or its traditions. And don't ignore your family. That can be a, a, a difficult thing at times because when we walk in different paths as our family, we want to make sure that, that we understand that our family is still our family, right? They are our blood. They have a connection with us. We have a connection with them. But you know it's even deeper than a connection of blood is a connection through the blood of Christ. And we want to share that with our family as much as we can. But we want them to know that even though we've left our old life behind, that we are now living a new life as redeemed people in Christ Jesus, that we still know where we came from, but we want them to live as redeemed people as well. It's important, just like when we pray for our spouse, that we pray for our family. Sometimes our prayer for our family can be that, hey, I haven't had, Lord, I haven't been able to have a conversation with my brother, with my aunt, with my uncle, with my cousin, whoever it is. But, Lord, I pray that you will give me an opportunity to have that. And until that time, Lord, I pray that you will open up an avenue for that, that you will be go ahead and begin to work in their heart, work in the heart of my mother or my father, whatever it is. It's important that, that we are sensitive to how and when you share your faith with family members. Now, let me tell you, I, I, I hope and I pray that when you leave here, you'll be like, man, I got to share the gospel with my family members as, as, as soon as possible. But let me tell you, sitting around with, your, with all your family members at Thanksgiving meal, probably not the best time to share the gospel with your mom, okay? <laughs> probably may not, in front of everybody, may not be. Maybe perhaps a side conversation, right, when you can dig in and share the gospel. And here's, here's why I say that, because sometimes maybe if you're sharing the gospel with your whole family, go for it around the dinner table. But what's going to happen is if you start in a room this size even, if I go and I look at one of you and I start sharing the gospel with just one of you, you know what? You're probably going to be a little turned off because you're going to think, he singled me out. Why does he think I need this more than anybody else, <laughs> right? Why in the world is that? So we need to be sensitive to how and when you share your faith with family members. One of the things that I'll, that I'll say about this is we need to ask the Lord before we go into sharing 
the gospel with our family members and say, Lord, no matter what is said, help me not turn this into a yelling match, <laughs> right? Because some of us, we go into conversations with our family members and we have the best intentions. We really do. We think this is going to be a great conversation. I hadn't talked to this person in so long. I can't wait to talk to them. And guess what? About 30 seconds in, tensions get high, right? And then we just end up, we yell back and forth and we hang up and we're upset and, and we walk away and we're like, I'm not talking to that person again ever, right? We need to make sure that we understand when we are sharing the gospel, these people have known us probably for our entire lives and they may disagree with us. They may disagree with what we believe. But just like if we're talking to a stranger, if we're sharing the gospel to a stranger, we're not going to go and yell at them. I pray, I hope, right? We don't need to. So we don't need to do that with our family either. So we need to be sensitive to how and when we share the gospel. One of the things that we can be sure that we're doing in sharing the gospel is admit your failures in living the Christian life. Admit your failures. See, because the truth is, nobody knows your failings better than your family, right? Nobody probably knows what you have done. Nobody knows your deepest, darkest secrets more than your family does. And so here's how you use that. A couple weeks ago, we've, we talked about in week one of, of sharing the gospel, we talked about sharing your personal testimony, right? Your life before Christ, your life and how Christ saved you and your life since. And so your family knowing your shortcomings, your family knowing your sin, your family knowing your skeletons in the closet, don't hide from that. Embrace it. Tell your family, hey, you know, I don't have a great relationship with some of you because of my past. And let me tell you, that is my past. And I lived in that, and I lived, and I had sin in my life. But can I share with you about where I'm at now and how Christ saved me from that? Can I share with you about the, the love that Jesus Christ has? And y'all may, may think that I know that I've failed, but listen, I know that Jesus Christ loves me. And if he loves me, he can love anybody. Because isn't that the truth of the gospel for all of us? Paul says that Paul says he is the worst of sinners. And Paul, when he says that, he's ultimately pointing to the fact, Paul's saying, if Christ can love me, he can love anybody. And we should all have that attitude. If Christ can love us, he can love anyone. Perhaps some of us start a conversation with our family, not just by admitting our past failures, but also asking for forgiveness. Asking for forgiveness for our past actions. And that's what we see in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 24, that, that we can go to our family and ask for forgiveness. One of the things in there is we, we think about admitting our fam failures. I think that's, that's part of why it's difficult sometimes to share the gospel with our family is because we know they know our deepest, darkest secrets, right? And so we think, why in the world would they ever believe me? Why would they ever believe the, me? Well, Matthew chapter 13 um, is, is a very interesting passage, but Jesus in Matthew chapter 13, verse 57, he says, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. So there, there was a time uh, with Jesus when, when the crowds were following him, when people wanted to hear from Jesus, and his own family came to him and said, Jesus, you're kind of embarrassing. Can you be quiet? Right? Everybody wanted to hear from Jesus except for his family. And so that's where Jesus here, he says, a prophet is not without honor. That means he's saying everywhere a prophet goes, 
he is honored. They will respect him. They will listen to that prophet, except in his hometown and in his own household. Meaning, those that don't know him, they're going to listen to him. They're going to respect him. But those that know him the most, that you would think would listen to him the most, those are the ones that don't pay any honor to the prophet, that don't want to listen. Why? Because in most of their cases, they go and they, their family says, well, I, I know that you've done this. You're not perfect, right? Because the truth is, pastors, we try our best to not sin as much as we can. And, but we're going to make sure if we do sin, it's generally not in front of others, right? But it is in front of our family. It's in front of the people that we're the closest to. And so sometimes the people we're closest to are the people that are most reluctant to hear the gospel from us. When we talked earlier about yelling matches or, or whatnot, when we share the gospel with people, we just need to be patient. We need to be patient with our family members. See, so often, even in sharing the gospel, when we come across strangers, we're patient with people we don't know, right? We, we, we kind of expect them not to get it. But sometimes, perhaps, we need to learn to be patient, more patient with our family, right? Um, I, as a pastor, um, over the past uh, two months, I have done eight funerals, okay? So I'm averaging a funeral a week. And every single one of them, I got to go visit them in the hospital. And they were, for the most part, they were pretty good patients, okay? And they would sometimes ask for, for my counsel on what they should do. And, and I'd give it to them, and they would somewhat listen or, or whatnot. And, and so um, they were always good patients. And I was always, even if they didn't listen, I was patient with them, right? I didn't tell them, hey, you need to do this, this, this. I, I helped walk things through them. Well, over the past week and a half, I've had one of my own family members in the hospital. And let me tell you, it has been different, okay? It has been different walking through a, a hospital stay for a week and a half with somebody I'm related to than these other people. Because they ask the same questions, and I try to give them the same answer, but if they don't like what I say, I push a little harder, <laughs> right? I'm not quite as patient with my own family with what I think is best, right? Well, even in anything we do, just because we're closer to them, it sometimes makes it more difficult. And so we need to ask the Lord for patience in these circumstances. We also need to make sure we keep the channels of communication open as much as we can. We, we want to say, hey, I, I know that we didn't seem to get too far, right? But I'd love to talk about this at some other point, right? And, and again, if, if we get upset and we leave the table angry because they just don't want to seemingly get it, then we're probably risking closing those lines of communication, and we want to keep them open. And can I, can I just share with you that sometimes when we share the gospel with our family and they don't get it, we shouldn't be frustrated with them. Their hearts are darkened, right? Their, their hearts are not in a place to, to, meet the, to meet the Lord, to come to that place. And so we just pray even more that the Lord would open up their heart to the truth of his word. Finally, when it comes to uh, thinking about family members, we need to understand that it's not loving not to share the gospel. It's not loving not to share the gospel. Again, just like at the beginning when I shared that so often, we think I love my family too much to ruin my relationship with them. But by refusing to share the gospel, we're not really showing them very much love whatsoever. We're not showing them love. And so as we think about that, those are, those are just a, a few tips to, to think through and ways to identify family 
uh, ways to share the gospel with our family member. And, and so now I want us to go through and I, I want us to think through identifying family members. Who in here has a large family? A couple of us, right? So, so I grew up, uh, my dad is an only child. So on my dad's side, not a large family. But my mom is the uh, middle child of eight children, right? And each of them had about three children. So I somewhat, I grew up with a pretty large family, okay? And so when I think through some of this, uh, for, for thinking through family members, some of this is easier for some than it is for others, right? But here's what I want to encourage you to do. Um, in this place, <clears throat> we're going to say family members, but some of us say, I, I never really knew a family. Who is it that you're closest to, right? If you think, okay, I don't have much family that I can think of, right? Well, then who is it that you are closest to in your life that you need to share the gospel with? Who is it that is the most like family that you can share the gospel with? And so as we look at this, we're going to create a family tree chart, okay? And that might seem somewhat silly, right? But, but it, it is beneficial for us. And I don't know if you've ever seen your family kind of played out in a family tree, but it can help us many times. And so you have one there on the bottom of your handout, and um, we're, we're going to go through this uh, for, for just a minute, for, for just a moment, right? But when, when we think through this, uh, you see down in the bottom right-hand corner there, on your handout, you, you have a legend, right, that, that says, okay, if, if you know that your family member there knows the Lord, you can put a cross. If they are unsaved, um, I'm going to use, a, I'm going to put a little star like that, not a diamond. Um, and then if you're unsure, then you can have a question mark, right? So, so when I think through this, when I, I'm going to start with my, we're right here in the middle. And so when we think through it, we'll start with ourselves, right? And even for some of us, we need to say, okay, where, where am I at spiritually, right? So, so if I put a, a little cross here, and, and then when I think about my family, right, I, I, I think about uh, I have a brother and a sister. And so when I think about my sister, I, I'm going to put a cross here. And then when I think about my brother, um, I, I, I would put a question mark next to my brother there because I don't know. And so that's going to tell me, okay, how in the world do I have a conversation with my brother? If it's not just to 100% go and share the gospel with my brother, maybe I need to work to say, okay, that question mark, how can I turn that into either a cross or a star, right? How can I turn it into a cross or a star? But then I also think <clears throat> my, my brother, um, when I think about the family that I'm closest to, I would actually take this box and I would think through my brother's kids, right? My nieces and my nephews, I'm closer to them than a lot more of my family. And, and, and so many of my nieces and nephews that I would put down here, I, I would need to put a star next to, right? And, and I would need to think, okay, now my, my cousins, uh, me and one of my cousins, he's, uh, or my, not my cousin, sorry, my nephews, he is 11 years old and he loves to go bowling, right? So, so perhaps I should invite him to go bowling. And as we're spending time together bowling, I ask the Lord to give me opportunities to share the gospel with him right? We, we, we think through that. I, I think about my spouse, okay? I, I know that my spouse is a believer, right? My, my child, he is three years old, and, and so I know that my child, I need to put a star beside now, right? I, I need to put that there, and so then I even think about my spouse's brothers and sisters, right? Do I have opportunities to share the gospel with them? And so this is just something of a template for us, but we can expand it to whoever is closest to us, right? Whether it's our cousins, our aunts, our uncles, who, whoever it might be, right? So um, 
where, wherever we need to go to, to fill this out further. I would encourage you, one way to look at it, I believe, uh, to some extent, these uh, nephews and nieces that, that are right down here, I'm closest to them, and, and they're younger, so they're near and dear to my heart. But some of us, and this is going to sound bad, some of us need to go and think, who are the people closest to death, right? Who are my grandparents, right? They might be the closest to uh, eternity, and so I probably need to put them at the top of my list at who I need to share the gospel with, right? I need to put them up there. Do I know for sure that my grandparents know the Lord? And, and here's, here's the deal. When we have a heart for people to know the Lord, we never want to take a breath apart from a family member that we know we could have shared the gospel with, and we didn't take that opportunity. See, my mother's parents, my grandmother and grandfather on my mom's side, I know that both of them were believers. My parents on my, or my grandparents on my dad's side, my grandmother and grandfather there, my grandmother, she's still living. I know that she's a believer. But her husband, my grandfather, to this day, I'm not 100% sure he's a believer. To this day, I think often about the words that I said at his funeral. How difficult it was for a grandson to stand up in front of all these people and talk about his grandfather and not be able to give the wonderful assurance that, hey, my grandfather is in heaven. Not to have that assurance. And so to have to think as a grandson, what do I think? What can I say that is good about my grandfather? Because I can't 100% say with 100% certainty that he's in heaven. So what can I say about him, <laughs> right? And so I think whenever I'm thinking about my family, if I'm, if I'm going to have to go and, and do a funeral with any of my family members, Lord, would you put me in a position where I can know without a shadow of a doubt if I ever had to do any of their funerals that I could say with 100% certainty, I know that they are worshiping their Savior. That should be our heart for any of our family members. But sometimes when we think about sharing the gospel with our family members and we have that family tree, it can still be difficult. And so we need to ask some questions about what are the best ways, how do we identify these family members, or then even once we've identified them, then how do we share the gospel with them? How do we make those avenues? I've said it before and I firmly believe it. When we get into it, sharing the gospel itself and just the gospel message is not necessarily the most difficult part of sharing the gospel. The most difficult part is getting the conversation from small talk, right, to eternal matters. And then the next most difficult part is getting it from that gospel presentation to a response. I think the beginning and the end are the two most difficult parts, right? And, and so when we think about how in the world do we start to share the gospel with our family members? We need to ask ourselves questions as to how to do it. We can ask, what felt needs are our relatives experiencing, right? Do we have relatives who, who are facing insecurity? Do we have relatives, uh, whoever that relative is, that they are facing boredom or a lack of purpose? Are they lonely? Do they have a fear of death? What, whatever it is, and, and because when we understand those needs... Just like we saw a few weeks ago in the three circles, right? We, we can start saying, okay, these are our needs. It's because we live in a broken world. 
right? It's because there is brokenness in this world. But let me tell you, there is something better. We can ask questions when we identify the best way to share with our family members. We ask questions like, what are their current attitudes? What are their current attitudes? Because it's going to give us wisdom as to how we share the gospel with them. Are they rebellious, right? Are they impersonal? Are they indifferent? Are they bitter? Are they materialistic? What, what is it that is hindering them from following the Lord? Are they open to gospel conversations or are they completely against it? Another way to, to think through it is, is what needs could you meet in their lives? What needs could you meet in their lives? Is there physical labor that could be done? Do they need financial assistance? Do they need counsel? Do they need help with children if it's a brother or sister or somebody like that? See, for, for some of us, perhaps if we have parents who don't know the Lord, one of the gre greatest things we can do is just show up to their house and say, hey, how can I help you? What projects do you have that you haven't gotten done? And as we start to serve, it can open up opportunities for us to share the gospel with them. Perhaps they'll be the ones to ask the question. Why are you doing this, <laughs> right? If we're not known for going over to our parents' house and, and doing all the projects they need help with and we do it, they might be the ones to ask the question, why in the world are you doing this? And what a wonderful opportunity for us to say, well, let me tell you why, right? Let me tell you why. So what ways can, can we serve our parents or our family members? Another thing to ask is, is what are their misunderstandings about Christianity? What are their misunderstandings about Christianity? Is it because, do they believe that uh, maybe you have a family member? I have a family member who um, is one of the smartest people I've ever met. He knows about seven different languages. He is fluent in seven different languages, to be uh, clear. And, some, and I believe that, that the reason that he doesn't follow the Lord is, and, and he is, um, his wife is um, religious, and so he'll go to church with her, um, but he definitely doesn't believe in the Lord. And I believe it's because of the fact that um, he misunderstands Christianity and he thinks of it 100% as a blind faith and it's not intellectual enough for him. And so he wants no part in it. Some people believe that Christianity, like any other religion, perhaps is a crutch, uh, is a crutch. Perhaps some people believe that it's based on works, right? But we've seen the message of the gospel is not about our good works. It's about knowing that Jesus died on the cross for us. Perhaps people we know, they, they, um, they know the message of the gospel, but they don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, right? And, and so they have different misunderstandings about Christianity. How can we seek to answer those misunderstandings that they might have? Ultimately, we ask the question, what are their hindrances in trusting in Christ? What, what is holding them back from trusting in Christ? And that should be a question anybody we share the gospel with. That should be our question is, is why is it, what is it that is keeping them from trusting in Christ? Are they saying, maybe perhaps they're saying, I'm already good enough, right? Maybe they think that it's a works-based salvation. I've worked my way there. I've done enough good to outweigh the bad. So I don't need Christ. Perhaps for, for some of our family members, it's I'm not good enough. I've never been good enough. I've done too much bad for Christ to love me. 
whatever it may be, we need to point our family members to the truth that we need to trust in Christ. One question to think is what uh, mutual interest could lead to conversations about Christ? What mutual interest can lead to conversations about Christ? Maybe it's your favorite sports team. Maybe it's different hobbies, business, what, whatever it is. Use something to bring you to a place of, of mutual interest where it can bring you to other things. Perhaps as we talk about oftentimes sharing the gospel, we, we kind of start with the brokenness in our lives. Perhaps it's, it's the health of another loved one, right? It's something that's, uh, it's a tragedy or something bad that's happened to both of you and your family. And you're discussing, this is how I overcame this, this tragedy, right? This is how I fought through this sadness, whatever it is. Help them get through it. The final question that we can ask is, what occasions can you use to speak to them? What occasions can you use to speak to them? And all of these questions, we, we use all of these questions to say, okay, let's make a plan. Whoever you identified on your family tree chart, let's make a plan to share the gospel with these people, right? With as much time as we have possible to share the gospel with them whenever we can, let's make a plan to be able to do it, right? So, so for me, right, even my little 11-year-old nephew, who I'm pretty sure is older now, but in my head he's still 11, okay? Even that little nephew that loves to go bowling, I'm going to make a plan, right? We're going to go bowling, and we're going to have these conversations, right? I'm going to try. I know that by the, time, by the end of our two hours together of bowling, I want us to have had that conversation. So I'm already thinking, what are ways that I can steer the conversation towards that thing, right? Towards those different things. And, and, and so these are all different ways. But, but folks, let me be very clear. It is difficult so much. Our family members can be the most difficult people to share the gospel with. It makes, it makes me the most nervous in sharing the gospel. I'd much rather share it to a stranger I'm never going to see again, okay? They can say whatever they want to me. It's not going to hurt me. It's not going to bother me. I'll never see them again. But when it comes to a family member, it's a little more difficult. I got to watch what I say. And depending on what they say to me, I may never want to see them again, right? Like I want, I know that I'm going to and I, and I want them and I want to be close to them. I don't want it to be awkward at family gatherings, whatever it is. But for us, as, as we leave here, we have that family chart. So as, as your way of application, as you go, use that family tree chart to go and identify which family members need to hear the good news of the gospel. Put crosses next to the ones you know are saved, and, and some of us might have family trees that are full of crosses, and that's great. <laughs> Who is the next closest person that is like family to us we need to share the gospel? Some of us are going to look at our family tree, and we're going to put a lot of stars with who we need to share the gospel with. And good news, folks. Our work is cut out for us. <laughs> we don't have to search who do I need to share the gospel with? Because some of us, they're some of the closest people to us. And so what better way to live our lives than to helping our family members come to know the Lord? And so use that chart to find that. Um, I want to encourage you. We're going to pray here in just a moment to close. But, but many of us, as we talk today, you, you knew immediately when we thought family members exactly who it needed to be. And so I want you just to take a few minutes and pray specifically for that family member or maybe that one or two family members. Pray that the Lord will go ahead and, and be working in their lives and pray that you will have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. So Father, 
Uh, we all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different family situations. We come from uh, places that some of us have great relationships with our family members and some of us don't. But one thing we all have in common is, is that we probably have family members who are in need of the good news of the gospel. So Lord, would, would we set our pride aside? Would we not worry about what our family members think of us, but would we have the boldness to go to our family and to share the greatest news of all, the news that though we have been dead in our trespasses and sins, your son came and died on the cross and shed his blood so that we could have eternal life. To share the good news that the brokenness of this world is not all there is. There is something so much greater. But Father, even now we, we have the, the name of a family member on our heart we need to share the gospel with. Father, I pray before we even get there that you are already going before us, that you are working in their heart, that you are working in their life, that you are setting them up to realize and understand that they need a Savior, that they need a way out of their brokenness, and there is only one way out of that brokenness, and it is you. So God, would we not back down and be tempted to, to shy away from sharing this good news, but would we share it with all that we have? We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Y'all have a great evening. Thank you for listening to the Entrust Podcast. Make sure to check out rockycreek.church for complete notes and additional resources. You can also subscribe to this podcast. We hope that you take what has been entrusted to you here and give it to another.